Welcome to the Abundant Wellness with Andrea podcast from surviving to thriving in mind, body, and spirit. Hey there, I'm Andrea Jones, registered nurse, functional hormone coach, inner healing and deliverance pastor, and most importantly, wife and mother of two beautiful girls. This podcast is really a conversation about how to discover and walk in an abundant life that God has laid out for us while processing what I call the messy middle, pain and overcoming things in our life that are hard in order to nurture all of the parts of you so that you can walk in abundant wellness in all areas. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abundant Wellness Podcast with Andrea. Today we have the immense privilege of having Erin Carey on um, doing a simulcast with me on a topic that we felt like would be beneficial for both of our audiences. Um, Erin Carey can be followed on Instagram at Sparking Wholeness. Um, and of course, you can find all of her information about uh, her podcast, etc., um, in the link in her bio. But take a listen to today's episode. We're going to be talking all about PTSD, complex PTSD, how to know the difference, um, and ways to support yourself through trauma so that you can get to a point of true healing. So take a listen. This is a very special episode where you're getting to hear, you know, very personal, our personal experiences, our journeys, and I hope that this brings help and encouragement to you today. Okay, Andrea, we are here doing a simulcast for both of our podcasts. I'm really excited about that. How are you? Good. It's so good to connect with you. I am so excited about this episode. Yeah, I know this topic is one that is personally maybe a little difficult for us. Maybe it feels a little vulnerable to be discussing this topic because it is so personal to both of us, but I think it's going to be really helpful because this is just real life application of something that is difficult for so many people. Absolutely. I, I fully, fully agree with you on that. And it does feel vulnerable. And I, but I, at the same time, I feel like, gosh, I know we had texted about this, but how much I would have loved to have been inside a room like we are right now having a conversation with somebody about this like nine months ago, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we are, we're doing this for ourselves, but we're doing it for all of the listeners too, that may be experiencing some of what we're going to be talking about today. So to me, it's worth it. It's worth it to share. It's worth it to go there. Um, and I, I think you probably feel the same way, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do, I want to share a little bit of a disclaimer before we get started. We are not diagnosing, we are not attempting to diagnose anybody or attempting to cure or treat or any of those things. We are just sharing simply what PTSD is or CPTSD, how it has shown up for us. The symptoms have shown up for us in our lives and just some tools and support that have been useful for us that possibly could work for other people. Both of us do work as health professionals and we do coach people through various things. Andrea as a nurse, functional health practitioner, and I am, I've studied functional medicine as a health coach. And so we love looking at life's practical lifestyle tools for difficult cases, but by no means are we diagnosing anybody with anything. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's Thank important. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So on the topic of PTSD. Okay. So we hear the word trauma thrown around a lot and PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. CP- CPTSD stands for complex post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is caused by a single traumatic event. Complex PTSD is caused by ongoing trauma that lasts for months or years. And I want to make sure that everybody understands that not everyone who experiences a traumatic event is going to even have symptoms of PTSD or CPTSD. Trauma impacts everybody differently. It impacts each nervous system differently, but some of the symptoms, I'm going to just run through some of the symptoms, and then we can just talk practically about how it's shown up for us for the rest of the time. But symptoms include intrusive thoughts or flashbacks, feelings of low self-worth, feelings of hypervigilance, anxiety, depression, mood swings, panic attacks, feeling easily startled or frightened, zoning out or losing chunks of time. We call this dissociation, guilt or shame, irritability, outbursts, trouble concentrating, trouble feeling emotions, 
and feeling numb. So that is just a basic, if you Google PTSD symptoms, that's a basic overview that covers a lot of things. And I do believe a lot of people are diagnosed with anxiety, anxiety, ADHD, panic disorders, depression, when truly it could be trauma and nervous system dysregulation. What are your thoughts? Oh, I fully agree. And the more that I learn about my own nervous system, but also the more I learn about really how, how, uh, how complex PTSD just infiltrates everything and does impact every brain and nervous system a little bit differently, the more I think that, you know, gosh, some of these, not some, probably a lot, probably actually a really large number of people are being misdiagnosed um, simply because there isn't a better system for diagnosing them and catching it early. Um, And really having practitioners be like forward thinking about, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the whole picture of this person's life? Yes, anxiety makes sense. But are we asking the deeper questions of how is this manifesting in your body? How is this manifesting in your day-to-day life? Um, And, you know, I know that we'll share kind of our individual experiences with that, but I um, actually had two kind of uh, situations in my life that brought up CP complex PTSD and they manifested completely differently, which is why I didn't catch it the second time. Mm -hmm. And so I think even having a lot of experience, I would say working through trauma for myself, I, I didn't even catch it for myself. And so, um, the more that I've learned about it, the more I'm realizing, gosh, there really are quite a few, like you said, diagnoses that, um, really probably do follow, fall under that umbrella that we're just not treating appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where it can be. So to your, use your word, I think use tricky (laughs) because we don't know, even when we're looking at root causes, which both of us love to look at root causes, but if we're looking at the root of anxiety, how much anxiety has been caused just by childhood wounds or middle sore. What I found out for me, what was triggered for me. And so I'll kind of get into my side of things this last year, about 15, 16 months ago, I did a, um, I went through, I guess you could call it maybe a somatic therapy. I interviewed somebody that does emotion code on the podcast. And so Mm -hmm. I went through, I experienced emotion code for myself and I had no clue all of the things that my body was storing because I had a pattern of dissociation of disconnecting my brain from my body. And so when I did emotion code, all of a sudden it's like my body told my brain, Hey, this stuff happened. And instead of it being an emotional release, which was what was the intent. Instead, I experienced nightmares, flashbacks, extreme mood, um, dysregulation. It caused a lot of problems in my marriage because I had to discuss some things with my husband that my body was not allowing my brain to remember for a very long time. Yeah, Yeah. Because, because the body is that powerful and that's what, I mean, it is so protective. And so I have a greater appreciation of how our body stores things and how our body protects us and how God designed it that way for us to survive but it was an explosion that I would say probably put me through about six, six months, six to eight months of severe symptoms. And I did all of the things which we can talk about, um, to help to bring my body back to safety and calming. Um, and I'm not saying, and I want to make sure I'm not saying nobody should ever do emotion code. It worked very, very well for one of my children. I had two of my kids do it actually. And it was great. I think for some people, depending on the level of trauma and depending on how, um, dissociative they were or are, it could be um, harmful. And for me, I had no clue. I had no clue that I was that fragmented in my Mm -hmm. mind, body, and probably even soul to some level. So yeah. Right. And it that's the part that we'll probably use this word multiple times that makes it so tricky about trauma is that by its very nature, it is protected. And so meaning that either our body, our mind or our spirit is going to be protecting this thing to keep us safe. Right. And it's mm-hmm. going to use the best coping skill that it has at whatever time it happens. So the earlier that it happens, the, you know, your coping skills are going to mirror 
like what would be developmentally appropriate for that age. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and again, I'm not a therapist, so there are plenty of therapists that could say that way better than I do. Um, But that's also the piece about it that makes it so frightening is that when it happens, it feels like what is happening to me because I had complete control over myself yesterday and now like everything's kind of falling apart. Right. And so for me, it was actually, it was long COVID that triggered anemia that triggered some, uh, high cortisol panic attacks. And that, uh, even though it was very physiological, that was tied to this cortisol dysregulation in my body, that sensation actually popped me right back to like, I think it was really interesting because we were talking about this and it was almost the same time frame, like frame of our lives that we were like, gosh, we're both, we've just been like kicked off a horse back mm-hmm. into this period of our lives. That was, I thought I'd fully processed. I, I fully mm-hmm. like thought I've dealt with this. Mm-hmm. I, but it was the sensations in my body were so familiar and similar to my initial diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder that, um, that it was like, I was reliving that all over again. And so I had to process even the trauma of that initial diagnosis, um, that I, I'd never processed that before. And so, you know, I'm like having to pull on my 38 year old brain and trying to, you know, like pull in bigger tools. But the reality was, is that, you know, there was a lot of work that had to be done. And, and at the same time, I'm experiencing complex PTSD from my daughter's diagnosis of pandas. So it was just this like stacking on of awful um, and really just having to kind of one layer at a time work through it and be really patient with my body and my mind. And, um, you know, I wish there was like a magic button that we could push, right? That's like, okay, I know that's there. Let's put it back in its box, file it away. But that's really not how, that's not how it works. So yeah, there were so many times I just wanted to press fast forward. Can I press fast forward and make it through the season? Cause I knew if I could make it through, I would be better, but it had to be day by day being patient to your word. And we talked even a little bit when we were texting about this, um, self-compassionate, like going, okay, I have got to have some compassion for myself. And, and, you know, you mentioned being stuck and whatever age that trauma occurred, being stuck there. One of the things that my therapist uh, noticed with me and I brought my husband in on a session when it was just becoming so difficult. She was like, I think she asked my husband, she said, do you ever feel like you're talking to a teenager? (laughs) <laughs> and that's exactly teenager. Aaron yep. was running the show for a long time. It was my teenager self yep. that was scared, that was confused, that didn't yeah. understand what was happening. And I, I, it was really hard to separate into adult Aaron anytime because that was all real time. And that's the thing about trauma. Trauma is real time to your brain when, yep. when it's flaring like that. And so for me, it was mm-hmm. this being easily startled, feeling easily frightened on edge, like kind of looking around corners, almost, yeah, that hypervigilance yeah. Totally. and that impacted my physical body. And so mm-hmm. even to the extent where my energy fluctu- my energy was fluctuating throughout the day where I was either completely wired or wiped out one yeah. of the extremes, right. I'm sure totally. I was, I was going from fight or flight to extreme freeze you know, and freeze yep. is my de- default freeze is my mode where it's just, my whole body shuts down. My heart rate goes down. I, you know, that's kind of where I go to but I was having trouble sleeping and that never happens for me. Yeah. So my sleep was really disrupted. So that impact everything during the day. And then, right. And then the other thing that was really interesting for me was I added weight. Now I don't weigh myself. I, I haven't looked at the number on the scale for five. Yeah. Close to five years now, but clothes fit tighter. And I was like, this is weird. Nothing right. has changed. If anything, I might be eating less, right? Like, or just erratically. You're stressed out. Yeah. yeah. Erratically. Yeah. But yeah clothes were tighter. I felt puffier. It was so strange. And that was another time, right. To be self-compassionate going, okay, my body is preparing by storing whatever it is. I have on my body is storing it. So that was fascinating. Um, yeah. What are some other physical symptoms that, that you experienced other than, I mean, you mentioned the nutrient depletions. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I was nauseous. And part of that was the anemia. I got severe, severe Mm -hmm. nausea with Mm -hmm. that, which only made the cortisol worse because 
I didn't have a desire to eat. And so I had to force myself to eat, um, you know, every two to three hours to regulate my blood sugar so that my cortisol wouldn't get triggered. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that honestly, that took about nine months after long COVID before the nausea abated. So it took me almost nine months to get my iron back to where it normally was uh, like a healthy level to where I wasn't feeling nauseous all the time. Um, but for me, it would be nausea at times. I would just feel really, really shaky in my limbs, like just the shaky kind yes. of shaking feeling, mm-hmm. which ugh, hate I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. hate it. Yeah. Um, but for me, what actually clued me in, um, and I, I wish that I had clued in sooner, but for some reason I, I didn't, uh, was that I was actually having flashbacks. And the first time I had kind of an awareness that I had CPTSD, I didn't have, I didn't have any visual flashbacks at all. It was just really sensations in my body mm. and like a general sense of anxiety and hypervigilance. Um, this time though, I was having actual flashbacks of both my initial diagnosis and a lot of what we'd walked our daughter through with her pandas. So I'm, I'm having a hard time distinguishing. I'm very much present in reality. I didn't feel like I really, I I personally did not experience dissociation for me personally. Um, I know that that's very common though with CPTSD. So for me, it it didn't manifest that way. Um, But it was more like, I'm, I can tell that I'm here right now and I'm looking at my child, but I am experiencing like full body, all of the sensations of let's say, you know, when she, uh, she would get a cough and I would experience all of the flares that she would, all the neurological flares that she would Mm -hmm. have when she would get sick. And I'm feeling all of the stress in my body. I'm feeling that nausea. I'm feeling that I'm not hungry. I'm feeling like heart palpitations. My heart's racing, um, that like, almost like your feet could drop out from underneath you at any time kind of feeling, um, rumination. So like ruminating anxiety where it would just loop, 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 Mm -hmm. loop, you know, and the, the frustrating part about this is that my physiology was out of whack because of long COVID and because of iron. So I knew that my brain and my nervous system by default was not in its best place to handle the, the PTSD, whatever, like that was happening. And that was really, really frustrating to me to feel like, uh, I'm trying my, my person, I am trying to push through this to the very best of my ability. And my body is like not letting me do that. And it, it felt so limiting and so frustrating to me to feel like there's all of this stuff happening that I can't control. I have the fortitude in my soul, in my person. Like you said, I know that I'm going to get through this because we kind of walked through similar things before, right? We've worked, walked through Mm -hmm. different diagnoses before we know how to get through this. And yet there's all of these, it just feels like limitations put on you or that are there that you, it feels like maybe I won't this time, you know, is kind of, for me, there was definitely that fear in the back. Maybe I won't this time. Like maybe this is just the time that I'm not going to be okay. And I think that was terrifying enough that it kept me moving forward and like fighting with everything in me to, to keep, you know, to move towards that place. But I know for me, because my physiology was out of whack, it, it definitely added to the frustration of the process. And I think it amplified a lot of what I was experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. So both of us had very real physiological reactions in our body and felt it in our body. And how about, and I didn't even, I forgot to mention the gut issues, my gut my gut tells so many stories and it told a lot of stories. Yeah, last right. Year. <laughs> um, and, I, and I even <laughs> did a good way to I, put it. Yeah. I did a GI effects test. Oh, this is a few months ago and it was really helpful to see that there's definitely some lingering dysbiosis and there, I mean, there probably mm-hmm. always has been for me. And to some extent that's, yeah. that is just gut inflammation is going to be something I'm on. It's an ongoing struggle for me and that's okay. Right. But I, this made that worse hormonally, right? We could talk about the yes. impact of hormones. I'm I'm yes. 100% perimenopausal right now. And so mm-hmm. it definitely made yep. an impact on my menstrual cycle, but mentally the anxiety, I am not a person that struggles with, I've never considered myself a person that struggles with extreme anxiety and the yeah. strength that the rumination that you're talking about that 
drove yep. me nuts. I had that. Yep. And one of the things that really helped for me, we've kind of talked about this and maybe we can get into this in the second mm-hmm. part of some of the solutions, but tryptophan taking a chewable tryptophan yes. was really helpful for me for those ruminating thoughts when it would hit me. And sometimes even in the middle of the night, totally. when loops would happen. I would either take tryptophan chewable, the yes. brand is what I like, or Gabacom source naturals, Gabacom, both of those things yep. I would alternate even still sometimes now, if I wake up because my cortisol, I can tell has fluctuated so much through this, my middle yep. of the night cortisol will spike and I wake up and it's yep. like, Whoa, where's the fire I need to put out? And so yeah, those things right? really come in handy because my, yeah. my brain and my body interact so extreme. And I have, I, I will say, you know, knock on wood, I've always been a person, no matter what I'm going through, I wake up in the morning with great energy, but the, yeah. it drops so quickly. And I know that that yeah. fluctuates throughout the day. And so trying to get that, like you said, the blood sugar aspect has been really big. Let's talk about the spiritual impact, um, mm-hmm. because that's not always discussed. We often talk about, yes. you know, body and brain and all of that, but, um, <clears throat> both of us are believers. Both of us yeah. believe strongly in the power of God's word and, and what yes. the Bible has to say about things. And so what kind of impact did this make on your spiritual life? Oh man, I'm like, what, what didn't it impact in my spiritual <laughs> right. life? I think is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that there's no way to walk through trauma and not have it impact you spiritually. And for me, what that meant was that it really stripped away any performance that I had, mm. like any performance beliefs that I had about God still. Um, and I like to think that I don't, but I, I definitely realize like, I can't perform for him. Like I can't do the things I would normally do to work my way through this. And I think it was really, really hard for me to accept that I couldn't pray this away. And what I mean by that is, and I'm trying to like find the phrasing that makes sense because even to say that how I would phrase it would be like, you know, to say that God allowed me to walk through it instead of miraculously delivering me from that. Right. And when I say allow, I don't mean that God pushed a yes button and said, Hey, Andrea, I want you to be traumatized and tormented. And, you know, by all of these experiences, that's not what I mean. But, but what I mean by that is when our faith, we know he could easily, right. He could easily just say snap of his fingers and it's done. And I've seen that happen with people and I've experienced Mm -hmm. things like that in my own walk with the Lord to know that he can. And so for me to have to walk through it was very painful uh, in in my walk with the Lord. And so I had to really tap into um, what do I know about God's kindness? What do I know about his compassion? What do I know he thinks about the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit and those who are broken beyond repair? What do I know that I know that I know? And I didn't always know. Like during that process, there were many, many, many times and days where I just had to say, God, I don't understand, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm going to trust you anyway and I'm mad and I'm all these feelings and I'm not going to deny that emotional experience that I'm having. Um, but I think to say that it doesn't impact our, our spirit man or our spiritual walk with the Lord is denying that that is an equal part of us. Right. So for me, absolutely. And, um, and I think there are still parts of that piece of the story that I'm walking out even now, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think what it, it brings me to is really a deeper understanding that, um, really just how kind he is. And at the end of the day, I can still say that he is kind and that he is good, even though I'm walking this out. And I think the trauma aspect of this has forced me to like grab hold of that, if that makes sense in a deeper way, because I had no other, I have nothing else right at the end of the day, it's you either show up or you don't God like, and you're going to have to get Mm -hmm. me through it. So that's for me. um, I don't know if that answered the question, but for me, that, that is definitely how that impacted me. And I'd love to hear for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I've always, I mean, since I was a little girl, I would say that 
I have a pretty strong faith when it comes to, I know God is there. I know he's good. I know he's a good father. I trust him. And even with all of the poop I went through <laughs> yeah, right. you know, time and time again, <laughs> yes. he has brought good things from that and no hurt has yeah. ever been wasted. All of the pain yeah. came with a purpose, you know, all of those cliched things that we say it's true. It is yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. true. He has not wasted yeah. a hurt in my life. And I think this is the first time that I experienced such a deep, um, crushing shame to win. And, yes. and grief does that grief mm-hmm. and trauma with trauma comes grief. When you go yep. through traumatic experiences, you need to grieve them properly. When we don't grieve them, we stuff them. I didn't grieve a lot of things. <laughs> and so right. I had grief for things that were very deeply buried. And that grief comes in the form of, I should have done this differently, or I wish this could have happened, mm. or that should have happened, yeah. that way, or I shouldn't have gone to that place, or I shouldn't have done that. And I, mm. I vilify myself and I, and I don't know what that is. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a firstborn, maybe because I'm a preacher's kid. I'm an overachiever, Enneagram three. I don't know, but I take the blame right. for things that I shouldn't take the blame for. And I've, I've done that for a long time. And I'm part of that might be because I don't want to be helpless. Um, and, and that's something we've encountered in my <laughs> many therapy sessions since yeah. I, I hate feeling helpless. So I would rather take on the blame for these hurts than ever feel helpless. Like I was the victim, like I was out of control because I hate that feeling. Yeah. So there mm-hmm. went my shame. And at one point I was going down a shame spiral. And I remember hearing in my head, do you really think that you are too good for God's grace? <laughs> mm. like really? You really think that you're better than any kind of grace that God has to offer you. And yeah. in that moment I did, I thought I am beyond, I, I think so highly of myself in yes. a twisted way that I'm beyond God's grace in the, the inverted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The totally. inverted way. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really tricky for me. That was, there's that word again, this is the most overly used word of the episode is tricky, but I mean, the, right? it was, it was such a conundrum <laughs> for me in those moments of shame to go, there was such a wall between, you know, I think sometimes, and this might be true for a lot of people who are listening, our relationships with God, they look very differently. Sometimes there is, you know, an open door, right? It's an open door relationship. Sometimes it's a screen door. There's a little bit, there's a little bit of a barrier there. This was a time in my life where I felt like there was a brick wall and I could not break through. And that was terrifying to me. And it took a lot of time. And I did, I poured over the Psalms. I was trying to read a Bible in a year. I was like, okay, I'm in Leviticus and this is not working for me. (laughs) Like I stopped at Leviticus. Yeah. I was like, I just, I can't, I've got to be reminded to your point of God's goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his steadfast love. And so I stayed in the Psalms for a very long time. And that gave me comfort because then I was reminded that even though all of these bad things happened, and even though like David himself experienced tons of shame, right. And yeah, and he did some really shady things himself, even though God still offers kindness and comfort and so many verses about him being our hiding place, our protector, mm. our rescuer, all of those brought me a lot of comfort, but it, it, I had to break down a barrier. I definitely put up a protective barrier and, and that, that is true for most of my relationships. Um, when I am in that, and I think all of us, when we're in a depression yeah. and we're experiencing a lot of mental health yeah. issues, we put up walls mm-hmm. with the people that we love and it takes yep. really strong people and thankfully a very strong and powerful God <laughs> to break yes. through those walls. So that was how yes. it manifested for me spiritually. Absolutely. And you nailed it with the, with the shame piece, the actually, I felt like the Lord was talking to me about that yesterday of like, Hey, Hey, there's shame. Talk- Shame's mm-hmm. talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it was that the shame of I should still, which makes me mad, like irritated with myself, but it's that shame still of like, I should be able to fix it. I should be able to pray it away. I should mm-hmm. be blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a very relatable experience for people who are walking through something like this, because not only do you have the shame of the initial, maybe the initial trauma, right. That 
develops those core beliefs about whatever the circumstance or self, God, people. Um, but then we have the, the shame of how it's manifesting now and what we can't fix or change. And for me, when shame is in the way, and this is something that I, I really feel like the Lord's like highlighting, circling, pointing big neon arrows mm-hmm. to right now currently is when shame is in the way, we cannot experience his compassion. And whether that's through him, like through, you know, our, our spiritual senses or through other people or, or from ourselves, like mm-hmm. the compassion mm-hmm. that I extend towards myself. Hey, Andrea, this anxiety makes sense today. You've been triggered, like take deep breaths. It's okay. You know, walk through it. Just, you know, be present with yourself, whatever that looks like. I can't offer that to myself if I'm still operating from a place of performance and shame. And I think, you know, I I think we cannot heal without self-compassion, without the compassion of other people. Um, And we can't receive that compassion if we don't allow that shame to kind of come down like the wall of shame, the whatever self-protective, however you would describe that. Um, If we're not willing to even just let it peak just a little bit, right. Mm -hmm. Peak over the top. um, It's going to be very, very hard to experience self-compassion, but we can't heal without it. And so it's that, you know, uncovering those different layers. Yeah. Yeah. Shame's a liar. Shame is a big fat liar. And I think yep. it was maybe Richard, my husband that said, shame never tells the truth throughout this. Yep. Like, it's never telling the truth. <laughs> and that's yep. something to remember if those feelings like I am bad, I am the worst of the worst. I am beyond God's grace. That's shame talking. <laughs> I'm never, yes. I'm never going to, you know, crawl out of this and nobody's ever going to see me the same way or, you know, all of those right. feelings that we have, like I've been exposed or that lead us into this shame cycle. Cause it is, it can become a, a cycle. Yeah. Those, those are lies. They're totally. not truth. And there's nothing, there are no Bible verses that back up that it's, it's really good to shame yourself. <laughs> like there's just no. nothing. It's a terrible motive. It's, it's a terrible I mean, motive. Think about yeah. Romans 8, 1, no condemnation, no condemnation. Right. God is not a God of condemnation. And so right. not for those who are in him. Right. So right. the other thing that really impacted me this, I don't remember what it was that I was reading, but reminded of the time in the, it was the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was bleeding. Um, he was sweating blood. That's what it was. He was, yeah. sorry, my brain. Um, there you go. My brain is going faster than my mouth. Um, yes, That's he was okay. in the garden and he's sweating blood because he was experiencing so much emotional agony that it was showing up in his yeah. physical body. And that was really helpful for me. I don't know why that just clicked on like a light bulb, like, Oh, yes. He went through such extreme emotional pain. It showed up in his physical right. body, just like how our mm-hmm. trauma symptoms yes. show up in our physical bodies. And that was really helpful for me to go, okay, I, I do have an advocate in him. And it's not just yes. something that, that it only has happened to me. Cause, and that's the other thing I think that trauma makes us believe that it's just us, that we're all alone, yeah. that nobody else mm-hmm. goes through these things, that nobody else feels crazy, that nobody else feels yeah. trapped in their own mind. I felt like I was, yes. was literally locked up in a prison of my mind and I could not get out <clears throat> and, right. and going through the motions and doing the things that I was supposed to do but feeling so trapped. So let's talk about kind of some healing tools that were helpful for us. I'd yeah. love to hear, I know you have, a, um, we've both kind of gone different directions. So I want to know where yeah. you are. Well, I think it's, you do whatever, like, I mean, I think we both have been in that place of like, we're just throwing spaghetti at the mm-hmm. wall and hoping something sticks, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, EMDR, <clears throat> excuse me, was extremely helpful. Um, but I noticed that, um, I noticed that my results didn't stick quite as well mm. as I would have hoped that they would. And I mainly that was because there was some physiologic things that were going on. So the low iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, absolutely. If you are experiencing this, it is never a bad idea to get your hormones tested, your yeah. thyroid, a basic metabolic panel, um, iron levels, which is including ferritin. So not just iron, but ferritin, <laughs> vitamin D, uh, like all of the, that would not be overkill. It would, that would be like at a bare minimum, check these things. For me, I also had a gut infection that I didn't know was there. And, um, so we both had a similar kind of like, Oh, 
that makes mm-hmm. sense. I have no neurotransmitters in my gut. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's not helping. So I knew that there were physiologic things. And I would remind myself of that often, like, Hey, this isn't Andrea. This is her, this is my body just giving me all of these clues of how to best help it. And so that did help me to to kind of offer myself a lot of grace. Like this isn't me, the person, this is my body telling me, Hey girlfriend, like there's some things we really need to address here. Um, so for me, I did, I also did a GI map. Um, and that was extremely helpful EMDR because there were, uh, there were some very specific memories that I knew needed to be kind of addressed, uh, in a very targeted way. Um, and then kind of the final piece for me after, you know, and, and working on blood sugar regulation through dietary changes and all of that stuff. Um, the final piece for me was actually neurofeedback and, Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if we want to spend a lot of time on that, but neurofeedback for me was basically, hey, let's take a look at wh- where the dysfunction is happening in your brain. What's actually going on um, <clears throat> that's contributing to the symptoms? Because the t- two symptoms I could not get rid of was insomnia. I was still waking up at like three to four every single morning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would have racing thoughts. Sometimes I would just be awake and I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, and the rumination. So like the cycling thoughts and I'm just like driving myself crazy. You know, I'm trying to pray these away and they're not going anywhere. So like, what is going on? And so neurofeedback for me, they were actually, without me saying, um, they were able to say like, Hey, did you have COVID by chance? Do you have anemia by chance? Like we can see all of that in your brain. And I was like, cool. So that those were some modalities for me that were extremely helpful. Yeah. I love that about the neurofeedback. That is one, that is one thing that I have not yet done. I mean, I'm, it is on the list of all the things I'd like to try because right. it would be so interesting to see the map of the brain and what's actually going down, going on. What I like about what you said, and you know, this is something that we talk about in the functional medicine world. And even in the therapy world too, is that a lot of times when it comes to mental health, we take a top down approach, right? Like we just yes. deal with the brain, Yep. but you need both. <laughs> and right. so we do need a bottom up approach as well, as far as like looking at to your point, like the gut and looking at nutrients. Mm-hmm. And I know for yes. me, just historically speaking, I have not had great nutrient absorption. I have low stomach acid probably because mm-hmm. of trauma, right? There are a lot of things going on there. Right. And, 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 and there's a family history of all sorts of gut issues. That's just in, in the blood, right. right? Some people have thyroid issues in their family. Some people have the heart stuff. We've got the gut stuff. It's great. So, so, right. you know, so yeah. there, there's a lot of different factors there that I already had going on for me. So I think when you're going through like an acute and this can be chronic stress too, chronic trauma, chronic stress, or I think for a lot of people, I know a lot of people right now who listen to the show or friends of mine, people who are going through a chronic sickness of a loved one or recent death or grief and all of that can manifest in the body very similarly to what we're talking about with trauma. And so it can deplete nutrients. It can deplete, especially minerals, those mineral depletions hit fast. And if you're already somebody that you're not absorbing well, you know, because the body and stress won't digest, then that can create problems. So that bottom-up approach, top-down. So for me, some of the things that I did, like I already kind of mentioned GABA Calm and tryptophan. And I follow, if anybody is familiar with Trudy Scott, I don't know, Andrea, if you've read any of her stuff or follow her on Facebook, she's one of my favorites for looking at different ways to support those mood symptoms. And so I I look at a lot of her tips for that. She's amazing. Um, So anti-anxiety food solution is her book. And then her website has tons of resources for how to use amino acids like tryptophan, GABA, L-theanine, L-theanine doesn't work as well for me. I don't, I've done some with adaptogens, not that much. I did take a product, um, for my sleep called sleep time. It has a little bit of melatonin because melatonin is a powerful brain antioxidant. So I love it for that reason. It also had L-theanine, 5-HTP. Oh boy. Um, GABA and the pyridoxal five phosphate form of B6. Oh, the, yeah. P5P. Yeah. mm -hmm, I think glycine and taurine. So all of these things are are very calming to the brain, supportive of neurotrans calming neurotransmitter function. And so that I relied on that to help me sleep for a long time. And it was great. Um, 
One of the things that I recently added in, have you ever used Calm's Forte? I think that's how you say it before. It's a homeopathic. Yes. That's yes, a that game changer. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is amazing. Yes. So that's kind of my top down is just changing up my supplements <clears> a little <throat> bit. Um, I added a lot of immune support because my gut brain immune connection is strong. And so I've consistently yes. taken quercetin in acetylcysteine, yes. things like that. Um, and then yoga has been my go-to restorative yoga, calming, you know, the, I do yes. yoga at living well, which is where I work. And all of the therapists there are really into just a therapeutic trauma informed approach to yoga. And so Amazing. I needed That's to move. So cool. I needed my body to soothe my mind. And that was a way to do that. Tapping yes. was helpful for me as well. I did do EMDR. Yes. I went to therapy, <laughs> um, a lot. I, I say a lot of once a month regularly, I did a couple rounds of EMDR that was helpful. It was exhausting, but it was helpful, yeah. but really going, this, yeah. 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 Going to bed earlier. I was consistent with my working out because I I've got to move my body and I'm by working out. I'm talking about even just things like yoga, <laughs> slowing down yeah. the body, but my body yes. must move through. Um, it, it's it, everything gets trapped. I've, I've got to move things through. Um, and then going Absolutely. to bed earlier, my husband and I, we both started going to bed sometimes even eight 30, eight 30, nine o'clock. Yeah. Right. As soon as the kids were in bed, it's like, okay, time to go to bed. So, um, that yeah. was really helpful. Yeah. So I was getting a good 10 hours of rest time consistently. Wow. Um, and that seems to have been real. So I'm just trying to think outside of, you know, like, there's yeah. so many different approaches people can take, but sometimes uh, laying off the alcohol, that's important people. <laughs> I think yes. that's one that a lot of times people will turn to things like wine yep. or cocktails or, you know, it's mm -hmm. wine o'clock or whatever, but right. gosh, that can make the brain so much foggier and, and it can and depress it. <clears throat> so that was really helpful. Yep. Um, until the holiday season, I was laying off of the sugar and processed cars, but then, you know, holidays, I know those hit hard. Um, and, and I will say I've, I've been just very careful just because of that hypervigilance, you know, I just yep. have wanted to go. I don't want anything that's going to disrupt my mood. So those are kind of some, yes. I, I hope that made sense. Um, those are some no. of the things I did. It's really good. And I, I'm hoping that the listeners will hear as you're talking that what we're, you know, it sounds like we're just throwing all these things mm -hmm. out here, but it's, it's really to show you that there are so many different yeah. ways that you can reach, you can find resources for yourself. And I think <clears throat> having been through, you know, different like periods of time where I was, you know, doing a lot of therapy, mm -hmm. I was on like a three to four year break. Cause you know, life, I was using all of my skills and my my tools were working for me, right? Until they don't work for you. And then you have to find different tools, right? And so mm -hmm. for me, it, it even though it's hard for me to look back on that season and be like, wow, I can't find a lot that I'm grateful for <laughs> in terms of like, ah, I'm not at that point where I'm like, thank you, God, for allowing that to happen. I'm not right. quite there yet. Right. Um, I am grateful in that it did allow me to peel back some pretty big layers to my own health journey. Mm -hmm. uh, like the fact that I didn't know that I still had a susceptibility to neuroimmune issues. Um, I didn't know that until I got COVID and wouldn't have, I mean, you'd think like having walked my child through that, that it would be kind of a no brainer, but you know, it just didn't really, it didn't click for me. And so, um, so knowing that there are one, number one, people that you can reach out to that understand, uh, the physiologic and physical demand of trauma on the body is enormous. And so having the right tools and the right approach is extremely important. I had to, you know, kind of work my way up to even eating certain things that I knew I was deficient in because I also had the nausea component of it. So it mm. was having to be really gracious with myself, knowing that I needed to move my body, but I couldn't move too much because that would spike cortisol, you know? And so it's like what, finding what feels mm -hmm. good. And it really did force me to like tune in to my body and like, how am I feeling? It also exposed all of the areas that I was overdoing it, that I was not aware of because I've lived in that state my whole life, mm -hmm. like my whole life. Um, and it's part of what's made it us successful successful in business. It's part of what's made us successful in my nursing career to where I could even function in that kind of crazy, insanely stressful environment, but it's not useful for me now. And right. so having to let go of that 
was so much harder for me than I wish that it was. But it was that defense mechanism that we talked about that we don't always know is there. It's protecting either uh, a way that we view ourselves or a way that we want to be perceived by others. And um, so I do see those different gifts in there, but it was a little bit like putting pieces to the puzzle together. So, Mm. you know, I figured out the iron deficiency, started working through that, figured out the gut stuff, started working through that, still working through that, probably will be for a long time. Um, added the trauma piece, but knew that my brain is only going to function as well as my body. So if there are things going on in in our body, we have to address that too. Like you said, from the bottom up approach. Yeah, And it has to be, it has to be all of it. You can't just, I really don't think that if you're struggling, if you're listening to this and you're going, Oh, you know, every year on December 4th, I feel the same way that I felt on December 4th in 2004 or whatever, you know, like we do, our body will remember, you know, body Mm -hmm. keeps the score. And so if you're, if you're feeling that and you're sensing that, and you know, that it's causing disruptions in your life, just going to talk therapy is not probably not, it might help for a little while, but it's really Mm -hmm. probably not going to cut it. There are so many other things to look at. So yes, run some labs, get some lab work done, find out where the Mm -hmm. deficiencies are in your physical body, go to a trauma therapist where you can do something like EMDR. There are all sorts of new, you know, I'm hearing more and more about some other trauma therapies that are out there. There's, there's a lot out there, um, or go to neurofeedback, right. And then hit that Mm -hmm. brain on the brain level some more. And then also don't stop reading your Bible. (laughs) because that's a really, because we will do that. Sometimes we'll do that. Like, well, this is, this is a physical health issue. This isn't a spiritual issue. So I'm going to work on my physical health and I'll forget out, but it's all connected because that spiritual, that that's our prime. As I always say, it's our primary nutrition. We have to have that primary nourishment spiritually because every cell in your body is picking up on whatever you are feeding yourself, whether it's food, mental food, (laughs) your movement. And I'm so glad you touched on something really important. I want to make sure people hear that working out more. Isn't going to solve it either. So I mentioned like movement is so crucial for me, but movement could be a light walk around my neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, that's all it was movement. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's all I could do exercises. Yes. So I want to make sure please don't, (laughs) please do not. Because if If you are having panic attacks and anxiety hit is not as the, probably the worst thing you could do. Yeah. And the, and the people, (laughs) if you're one of those people that says, well, but I have to, I have to get my one hour run in. What that tells me is that you're so depleted. You're looking for an artificial source to boost you. So go get your labs. Yeah. Endorphin. Go find a good therapist. Go see one of us. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know where to find us. Yeah. And you kind of already touched on this, but I'd love to know, um, cause we're about out of time. Um, it might be hard to see full picture now probably still is, but what would you say is your, your biggest takeaway from this whole experience? Oh gosh. I'm glad we're talking about this today and not yesterday. Cause I feel like I just had a big <laughs> light bulb come on today ish about mm-hmm. this. And I think it's, it's, I don't even know how to nutshell it, but I, I think it's that we are so innately worthy of love And we are worthy of compassion. We're worthy of God's kindness. And I think that trauma makes us believe that we're not because of that shame, because we feel even incapable in our own bodies of like self-regulating or balancing emotions or uh, getting through a hard moment or whatever. And it makes us feel all of those things. Right. And so I think what I'm coming to learn is that no matter what state I'm in, even if I don't want to be here in that state, Mm -hmm. um, I am so worthy of God's affection and his love that he is willing to be here with me in this place of suffering. And he is willing to not rush me through it. And he, he's more than willing to sit with me in it. He's able to deliver me from it which means that if he's not going to deliver me instantaneously, he's going to deliver me through it by being present with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has had to become and has become my anchor. Um, even though I can't see the full picture, I don't know what he's, I mean, I hope that, and I, I'm sure it'll probably be in book two where I talk like about <laughs> this in more 
big picture. Mm -hmm. But for now, that's had to be enough for me. And it has become enough for me to know that my worth stripped of all of those things, it can never be taken. And I think, you know, that's, in that sense, it's worth it to go through. I'm like hesitating saying that because like, it doesn't really feel worth it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like there's something good that can come out of it. That's maybe how I would, how I would say that. Yeah. 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 I agree. My, my takeaway is similar. I mean, I, one takeaway is that I had no idea how much I compartmentalized. I had no yeah. idea how much, um, for protection. And, and I think that would be my biggest takeaway is that, that it's okay. Like to just to, if I dug through the layers and if I really peeled back and took a look at my teenager self, my wounded self, yeah, you know, all of those parts of me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book about um, internal family systems and parts right mm-hmm. now. And just think that it's all, it's, it's all okay. And, and I'm mm-hmm. okay. And I'm okay. I'm not alone. That's, that's been a huge takeaway is that I'm not alone. And even this Christmas, yeah. I think, I don't know when this is going to air, but um, looking at that whole Emmanuel God with us and that yeah. you know, the God of the universe would take on flesh and be born with some stinky animals as a baby, the most helpless, like as helpless as I have felt, I'm just imagining that kind of helplessness is what he chose so that we would see that we're not alone. Right. So that that chosen helplessness is so that I don't have to be helpless and that he has been right there. So that's probably been, and I'm still piecing through that. I, I know, you know, like both of us have, um, have, have seen fruits in different ways and seen glimmers yeah. yes, <laughs> even right. with, among the, the triggers, we have seen plenty of glimmers and I know that we, we will continue. And so I really hope that this is helpful for people who are listening, who maybe don't know what trauma is, or don't know what the spiritual impact is or the physical impact, or just remember it is all connected. There are so many things that you can do. There are so many resources and tools available. We are not licensed therapists. We are not um, licensed to diagnose you with anything, but we have experienced a wide range of symptoms, um, mentally, physically, spiritually through, through the impact of trauma. And so we are sharing our experience in order so that you listeners do not feel alone as well. So you can continue following us, me on Instagram at sparking wholeness and Andrea, you want to give your, um, Instagram handles and social media, all that. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at abundant wellness with Andrea. That's probably the best place to find me. Okay. Yeah. So I think this has been really helpful. And, um, I, this, wherever you are listening to this, I hope this has been helpful for you and reach out if you have any questions. Thanks Andrea for this conversation. Thank you, Aaron.